Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is another edition or the first edition, maybe the only edition of the BFTs podcast. We're going a recruiting Tuesday, Buckeye Future Tuesdays this week. I'm Nathan Baird. He is Stephen Means. We're from Cleveland.com. And Stephen spent all day Sunday at the Under Armour camp with a lot of Ohio State, both signees and targets and maybe future targets and uh, some in-state guys who turned some heads, a lot of prospects. And Stephen, we've you know been getting back at it and actually getting to watch some football practice here at Ohio State for the last couple of weeks. And this is the first like big recruiting event that, that you've been to in a while. And how, what kind of vibe were you getting just from, I guess, guys who um, a year ago at this time, they weren't even doing a lot of camps, obviously, because of the pandemic setting in. So this was guys who, for the first time in a while, were getting a chance to go out and showcase themselves. Yeah, I think just to start off the bat, the most exciting part for me was just getting a chance to see DeSalle McCullough in person, even if he didn't do anything but walk around and take pictures and mess with people as they were doing interviews. He had turf toe during the season. He had a later surgery, so he's recovering from that. He'll be fine, though. Um, he is every bit of six foot five, 220 pounds that you think he is. He looks like that type of a freak. His dad was there, and his little brother, I think it's, it's Dea is how you say it, McCullough, he's the biggest one in the family. Uh, Dylan is not anywhere near his size, neither is Dea, and I don't. He's got another brother. He's not that size either. Um, but he's every bit of what you, of a freak athlete as you would expect him to be. Just walking around, you saw that. Everyone else, the Ohio kids, I've at least seen in person, but seeing some of their growth and their development. Gay Powers looks a little slimmer. Um, he's carrying that two thirty a little bit better than maybe he was six months ago when I saw him. C.J. Hicks is not 6'4". I don't care what his 247 sports profile says. I believe he's more – he's maybe 6'2", 6'3", but 6'4 might be pushing it. But seeing him walk around as the newly appointed five-star and how he, how he was carrying himself, not a lot of the Ohio State commits did a lot, but seeing some of the other targets who might be involved, seeing them all together and seeing them actually interact to see how close they were was an interesting thing to watch. 
It's like I said to our texters the other day, like we've gotten some glimpses of practice. We've obviously, Ohio State's put out some clips and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm switching back and forth here between your prospect talk and, and, and what we've seen from the actual team. But I'm just relating it to, I sent out to our texters the other day, like, man, I really want to watch the spring game on Saturday. First of all, it's going to be my first spring game. We're going to be talking a lot more yeah. about that this week on Buckeye Talk. But just because I want to see some football guys play football, you know, that's sort of what they do in practice. You don't get any context from these clips. Here, another example, like you actually get to see these guys with your own eyes. Like today, I was watching the defensive guys at Ohio State practice and like just like for whatever reason, like Ryan Watts just like caught my eye. I was like, oh, man, that guy's got some size on him for especially for, for a cornerback. And so you get to kind of do this thing, too. It's like you, you you're you, you can watch a lot of these clips that they put on a huddle or whatever. And for the guys who are in state, you I guess you got to go see some play this past season. But guys who are farther away, this is your first chance to see them in the wild, so to speak, a lot of times. Like maybe you run into them at um, – you, you see them on the sideline if they come for a visit or whatever, but they weren't doing that last year either. Like this is your first chance to like get to put eyeballs on guys. And as much as you, you try to rely on – you know, the scattering reports that people do and the way their coaches talk about them and the way sometimes their fellow recruits talk about them, having seen them play, having done their own analysis. Like, it means something when you get to put eyeballs on a guy. Yeah, because you see the good and the bad. You know, when you're watching a huddle tape, I mean, if Jair Brown gets toasted at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to see that. They're not going to put that on their highlight tape. And when you go watch them play in an actual game, or even in this setting, especially for defensive backs, where at some point they're going to go one-on-ones, you can say the same thing about all – of lineman with Tegra Tishabola. If a guy gets beat, you see that. And what's even what's great about it is all the other commits are watching. They're walking around watching everybody else's stuff, and they're going to joke on you if you get beat. Uh, they were joke. Uh, Derek Shepard, who was an Ohio State uh, prospect, got the offer, but he goes to school with uh, C.J. Hicks down there, at Archbishop Alter. They watched him and Desan watched everything Derek Shepard did. So when he was messing up, they were calling him out about it. But my favorite part of the day was Jair Brown, just because he just, as I texted, he just screams Damon Arnett. Everything about him, good, bad, indifferent, all Damon Arnett. He talks a lot of trash. Um, he, he, he's physical. He might get a pass interference call one play, but then he might get a pick the next play. And the best part of the day was they started doing one-on-ones with the wide receivers. But how it was set up was the first time through, you weren't allowed to play press man coverage, which is what Ohio State has made a staple on his press man coverage. I know they've gone with some cover three and some soft stuff the last couple of years, but press man, if you can't play press man, you probably can't play at Ohio State and you definitely can't play in the NFL. So they weren't allowed to play press. They had to play off. And Jair Brown tried to sneak in a press coverage and one of the coaches called him out about it. And he went, might as well go home then. What are we doing here? Why are we, why are we making this easy on the wide receivers? He said that within – Four minutes later, they allowed them to press. He jumped right back into the front of the line, and you saw all the physicality. He got one ball caught him, but other than that, you, you saw why he's a borderline top 100 recruit who, who is, whose speciality is press man, and that was just awesome to see. With defensive backs, it's always great to see him talking trash. So uh, he was the first guy I was going to ask about. We, we yeah. I wanted to go through the 2022 guys, but you said it's the good and the bad. So, like, what what are you seeing from that that is, is something he's got to work on or something he's got to correct? Yeah, uh, holding a lot. Um, the ball he got caught on, it, it, it was – he probably would have got a flag on that. Um, he can be over-aggressive at the line of scrimmage at sometimes. Um, but really just the holding and the offensive – the pass interference calls where – you're not. He's going to cost you 15 yards sometimes, and if 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 he does that once every four or five reps, 
but then the other three, four reps are awesome. Do you live with that? Like they obviously did with Damon Arnett. CJ Hicks, newly minted five-star, just impressions of him. Why is he a five-star now? Uh, he's everything that you want in a new age linebacker. You know, you can play him back there as a single high. I mean, think about Craig Young. That's what he is. And maybe a little bit more because the ceiling might be higher. Watching him play in an actual game last year and then seeing him today where, I mean, on Sunday where he didn't do a lot, but I got the jucks with him where it's, you can use him as an edge rusher in a will linebacker spot. He can cover like a safety. He can cover slots. He can cover tight ends. His instincts to find the ball are top notch. Uh, he's got a quick twitch to him. That versatility, it, he, he always seemed like he was trending in that direction as a guy where because he can do all the things that you want from a new age linebacker, whether it's Ohio State, it's called the Rover. I mean, it's called the Bullet at Ohio State. Notre Dame calls it the Rover. Alabama calls it the Star. Michigan calls it the Viper. Whatever you want to call it, he is that in a system. And that's the understanding he has without Washington that he, he's being groomed to play. And he already plays it at his high school. So it'll be an easy transition for him. It's, it's interesting to watch those guys progress. And especially now that we've – the, the baseline's been established. We see what Ohio State's maybe trending towards at that position. But to me, again, it's not like – it's not like I'm thinking, oh, does that guy have the whatever to play that bullet position? It's almost like a singular thing that they're developing – in a lab off by itself, right? Like they're just, it's about, it's about make taking an athlete with a, a, a broad high set of skills and maximizing that and getting that athlete onto the field rather than like making him a bullet. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that's how I look at that. Like, is he going to like keep, and are they going to just keep finding those guys and like ratcheting them up? So they, it's not like they're trying to make him the best, inside linebacker they could be or you're not making him a good free safety it's like he's this position unto itself yeah you you can't which is probably why we're in what year three of ryan day and we're just now seeing it to be honest it's because you're right you can't just a guy's here hey we're going to develop you into the position no we're recruiting you to play this position and you well, are recruiting been, you because of who you are because of who you right and we're and just gonna put that on the field we're gonna put right. you on the field it, and it, to me the position is secondary and it's like it's easier to do it when it's a guy who's already really been doing it at the high school level and obviously they use it in the nfl but high school teams are using it too so it's easier to take that guy where yes he has that wide range of skill sets but also he's already been using those same skill sets and so you're just asking him to do the same job at a higher level court williams Craig Young to an extent. Uh, now you've got C.J. Hicks. We'll see who ends up being that guy in the 2023 class. But, yeah, at this, it's, you're recruiting a guy to play a position who's already playing the position, which makes it easier to develop that guy once he gets there. I think high school teams have always kind of done that to some extent. There would be guys mm -hmm. who have enough broad skills, again, and they have the size. So you would talk to incoming freshmen or, or recruits who were linebackers or sometimes even like defensive ends and be like, well, but sometimes I lined up as a safety. Sometimes I lined up like, cause they were just so talented at the high school level. I don't think that's necessarily new, but it's obviously interesting now that Ohio state seems to be looking for athletes in a, at linebacker, or I guess you'd call them safeties too, in a different way. Um, and, and again, trying to just like, maximize them as individuals and get them on the field rather than like worry about that sort of positional slotting. I wanted to ask about another guy in the 22 class and that's Tegra Shibola 
Um, number 21 overall among tackles. He's a top 200 guy. I'm just curious what your impressions were of him because I think we need to keep it in the back of our mind. I know Ohio State is still recruiting and, and pursuing other 2022 tackles, really highly ranked 2022 tackles. But what if he's all they get at, at tackle? I guess that's kind of my, my end of the day conversation. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they – he is the best one that they end up getting. So um, what were your thoughts on him and, and where does he still need to go? I, I, I think he's solid. I think physically he's there. Um, he look, that's another guy where he just looks better than the first time I saw. He just looks better. He's wearing the 6'5", 340 better than he was a year ago, which, yeah, that comes with growth. These are still teenagers. They're still growing into their bodies. I think of Ben Christman in the 2021 class when I look at him in a sense that he's versatile. He's listed as a tackle, but he could swing in and play guard if they need him to. And that's why when you say, what if he's all they get? I don't think that's going to be a good thing because that's not a guy where you look at him and go tackle, whether it's right tackle or left tackle. He's a guy who, like Ben Christman, is, okay, maybe he plays tackle, maybe he plays in, inside. Just like Dewan Jones, even though he's big, they tried him at guard. Just And now they're, you know he was playing with some tackle today, as you guys saw at practice. But that's what I see more in him is some versatility more than a guy who is an absolute tackle. Um, great one blocker who is still developing his pass set, and he'll admit that to you as well. But I think when they went in the one-on-ones, he's big. He's big, he's big as can be. So it was very hard for defensive ends to get by him. But at the same time, that, that pass protection part of his game is still very raw and in development. It's so interesting to discuss guys like him because what you say about, you know, a guy that you don't look at and say a tackle or whatever. I mean, again, there's probably 12 teams at least in the Big Ten who would be like, well, we know where we're going to play him. Like, give him to us. Like, we know exactly where he's going. But then it's it's the Ohio State standard, right? It's like he's not the guy that you look at and say, for sure, that's a starting tackle at Ohio State by his third year, whatever. Like, and I understand where you're coming from on that, but I also think it's interesting that they take those guys pretty early. Um, they're, you know, developmental guys, they're depth guys, but it doesn't seem like the ceiling is there necessarily. Like, I mean, he could, he could progress into something more. It's just, who do you think of as like a sure thing or not? And that's how we judge so many of these guys, because there's so many of those guys that do come to Ohio state as sure things, especially with offensive linemen, because there's just a physical element that you always have to consider with some of this stuff. And, I'm, we're taking Paris Johnson out of this because that's just a, a different – Nicholas Bertucci first, actually a good person to think about with this, even though he was the number one tackle in his class. There was some development there that had to go there, but but you still always looked at him as a tackle. With guys like Tegra, guys like Ben Christman, uh, the, the 2020 guys that they took who were maybe a little bit lower rated like Josh Fire, they can – you just kind of plug and play them anywhere. And so it's very hard to get really a read on, okay, is this a sure thing or not? Because you're really not sure what they're going to end up playing at the college level. We're going to take a break there. We're going to come back and talk about some of the 2023 prospects that Ohio State had in – or they didn't have them in for this camp, but the Ohio State prospects that were at this camp wasn't hosted by Ohio State. need to be careful how I say that. But uh, we're going to be talking some about some of those prospects right here on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. I kind of thought of this as probably a, a bigger camp. Maybe for someone like you, like it's a bigger deal to get to go see some of these 2023 guys. You already had a look at some of these 2022 guys, whether it was early in their career at camps, whether you've been able to see them play in high school. There's some guys here that you're getting a, an up-close look at for the first time. I don't know how often you had seen Brennan Vernon play, for instance, the defensive end for Mentor. 
but uh, a guy who, who's getting really big comparisons already in his career, uh, favorable comparisons. He's, he's highly ranked in his 2023 class. What jumped out at you about him? Raw. Very, very, very raw. High ceiling, high as you can think. Very, I mean, the intent, 6'5", 245, long arms. Kind of looks the way, to an extent, I think Zach's maybe a little longer, but similar build to what Zach was when he first got to Ohio State. Zach Harrison? Long, yeah, Zach Harrison. But not completely the same, but similar build there. Um, but very raw, and he knows it. Right now, his best thing is his motor, which you always want with the defensive end. You want somebody who can get off that ball and just have some natural talent. But his hands are still not there. The, the, the skill and technical part of his game, the analogy you always use, the guy who doesn't run the right way but is still extremely fast, so what happens once you correct his running stuff? That's him right now. And I think to, to compare him to what Jack Sawyer was at this age, as I asked Larry Johnson last last week, Zach Sawyer spent every weekend with, with Larry Johnson. So there was just a skill level that he was already at that's allowed him to lose his black stripe as early as he did and be in a position where we think he's going to be in whatever four or five-man rotation they have and could end up being, the third, being third in snaps there. Brennan might get there, but he's also 16 years old, and he just needs to get around Larry Johnson. So this recruiting dead period – it, there's, you know, obviously there's optimism that it ends on May 31st and recruits can get back on campus on June 1st. The quicker he can actually be in front of Larry Johnson and not just doing Zoom and calls and phone calls, the better. Because there is a lot of potential there. He just needs – it's just very raw right now. And I, I understand the five-star rating because when you're talking about guys who are sophomores, you're, you're basing it off potential. There's five-star potential. It's just going to take a while to get there. Since you brought that up, uh, we talked to Ryan Day on Monday after practice. He said, uh, was asked a question about the pending end of the dead period. And I think there was even a report out today from Dennis Dodd that it's definitely ending on May 31st, I think. So we'll wait and see if that comes to fruition. But that, that seems to be like this, this is the kind of guy that that works out perfectly for. One of the things Ryan Day said today was that they think they're going to be able to have people on for unofficial visits, which you can't take official visits until a certain point of your career. But even unofficial visits, they can have guys on and then maybe do one-on-one workouts with them. That seems to be crucial as much for that player's development as it is for helping these colleges get a a better read on what kind of player they are. Yeah, with these five-star, four-star, top 100 guys, those day camps are invaluable. I mean, you're learning from college coaches. And especially at that position, when they have the type of pedigree that Larry Johnson has, Larry's not teaching them anything weird. He's teaching them, and they're going through the same drills that, I mean, you just watch the defensive linemen at Ohio State go through at practice on Monday morning and that uh, a week ago. I mean, they're, it's the same drills. So if you're getting that early in your career at 15, 14, you're already getting accustomed to what it's like to go through an Ohio State practice with Larry Johnson. That's just for the assumption he does commit here. He's already been doing a lot of this stuff. So that fast tracks your development a little bit, and it, it – creates a faster a faster pace to get onto the field if you're already learning if you're already been around Larry Johnson that's the most important thing and why it's so important especially with these Ohio guys where I mean Brendan Vernon's two hours away up, up 71 north that's that's two hours so it's it costs him nothing to come get valuable information that's only only going to help him down the line especially when he, you have unlimited unofficial visits so the quicker he can get back to those and the quicker he can get around Larry Johnson the, the quicker he reaches that five-star, you know, pedigree that he already has. 
I'm trying to make a comparison here between for for people who aren't familiar, like you you go to um, when you're covering basketball, you go to events in the summer and, you know, these AAU tournaments and stuff like that. And with like a, a, a big guy, for instance, it's a it's a miserable time trying to evaluate them sometimes because you're it's not the style of basketball that helps him. You're shaking your head because you, I'm mm-hmm. sure, helped perpetuate that uh, back in the day as a, a chucker <laughs> yourself. But uh, it you know what I'm trying to say here? Like it can be, you see a guy and this guy, Oh, this guy's like a, you know, top 50 national recruit, this seven footer that's other team has, he like never touches the ball. So, but, but when you watch, um, Brennan Vernon, what, what do you see? What did you see? Like you're saying he was raw and technique wise, it's not there, but what are you seeing there that makes sense for you from a, this is why this guy is highly ranked. Is it just frame? Is it, is it what are you seeing from like intangibly what's there? It's frame and get off because those are two things you can't really teach. You're kind of born with that ability to get off the ball. Now you can obviously hone in on it and, you know, teach something. But for the most part, if it's already there, it's already there. If you're 6'5", 245 at 16 years old, nobody taught you that. You just had the right set of parents who could put you on that. It's, it's the speed rush is almost, I'm, I'm not a defensive line expert. I'm not going to try to act like one, but the speed rush is probably the easiest thing to, for a defensive lineman to develop. Cause a lot of that's just natural gifts and he has that down packed. He can go, he can go for mentor next year. He can go out and do a speed rush every other snap and probably get 10 sacks. That's the easy part. It's when you have to go to the double, the second move and the third move and whatnot, that's the stuff he has to learn. But yeah, the initial one move, all that's, that's already there for him. That's where his natural gifts kick in as a five-star. Pickering Central's Sonny Styles uh, listed as a safety. He's 6'4", about 200, maybe a little bit more. So, I mean, physically he looks – um, like the real deal, but where do you see him fitting in as a potential Ohio state player? Because I feel like we have to ask that of every safety of a certain size at this point. And we have to, when we're talking about these guys from a recruiting standpoint, we're writing about these guys, we kind of have to be specific. Are we talking about this guy as a free safety or are we talking about this guy as safety plus special safety, safety, you know, hybrid safety, uh, say extra safety. Like, I don't know. We got to come up with some other term because yeah. there, there seem to be guys who very early on are going to be like, well, that's a free safety. That's, that's a traditional free safety. And there's going to be other guys who are like, well, this is a safety that they hope uh, gains 30 pounds and plays something else. He's a bullet. Um, I think the best thing, especially with defensive backs, you're right. You have to ask defensive backs and linebackers more than any other position. I think on the defensive side, it's, Hey, when they tell you to watch Ohio State games, who do they say you are? I did, I did that a lot with the 21 guy. I did it with Jansen Dunn. That's how I found out he was supposed to be. And he said, Craig Young. He's going to be watching Craig Young. All year. I mean, the builds are similar. Craig Young's, what, 6'4", 200 pounds coming out of high school. Sonny Styles is 6'4", 205. Looked every bit of it. He looks like a freak athlete. He, he's crazy. I, that, that's immediately what I thought when I saw him. Obviously, I saw him play in a state championship game last year, but he didn't get to take a lot of snaps because that game got out of hand very quickly so to see him in this setting where there's no he's one of those guys where it's almost better to see him in this setting sometimes because it's no pads some things that are not involved so you just get to see some skill set stuff his instincts are there his coverage stills they need some work because he's 16 years old but his recovery is really awesome I think his last snap of the day uh, he got beat by a wide receiver I mean because he's a he's a strong safety slash linebacker covering a wide receiver you're supposed to get beat there but the way he was able to recover and force that incompletion is the exact thing that you maybe are going to be expecting Craig Young to be able to do this upcoming season. So, yeah, he's – he is the bullet. We're talking about C.J. Hicks in that way, and he might be a Sam linebacker. He might be a bullet. 
this is now that we know Craig Young is going to be that and he's working with the safeties after spending his first two years with the linebackers. I won't be surprised if that's the trajectory Sonny Styles is on if he comes to Ohio State, where he spends a year in Al Washington's room and then he heads over there with Matt Barnes to learn the coverage skills as part of that. And then by his third year, he's the bullet and he might be the best version of that just because his ceiling is maybe higher than any other Ohio kid. And that includes some of the 2021 and 2022 kids. This is what kind of fascinates me, and we've already been asking some of these questions this spring when we've had a chance to talk to coaches, Al Washington, Matt Barnes, Kerry Combs. Like, it, it's the development of that position. I feel like we've already talked about it a bunch just on this podcast, but it's and it goes all the way back to this point. It's when you're identifying the guys. So whether you're talking about C.J. Hicks, whether you're talking about uh, someone like, like Sonny, like, I feel like those things – it goes all the way back to who is doing the identifying. How are you like, who who's making that decision that this is a guy that we're looking at at that position. How are they recruited? Which, which coach takes the lead in that recruitment? Is it the defensive backs coach or is it the linebackers coach? Cause like you say, they get handed off if, and we don't know yet exactly at what point. I mean, I'm still, to me, it's still kind of up in the air how much to fully embrace this idea that they might use the bullet in 2021. I think I've just been like scared, off of that a little bit so I'm not ready to fully commit to it in my brain I just know that it's there and it's something to keep an eye on but it seems like clearly the future that they're progressing towards and it, that, it's just fascinating to me and that would be an interesting thing as, as we get a more chance to talk to more people um, finding out from just like down to the the root level like when 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 does that bullet go off for you guys oh that's a bad shouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to use that term. Um, <laughs> when does the light bulb go on for you guys that that's the position where that guy needs to be, that you're looking at him for that? And and then how is that, how do you handle that whole process? Because it mm -hmm. seems more complicated than any other position on the field just because it is such a hybrid identity. You don't really see, you know, wide receivers get recruited by Brian Hartline and running backs get recruited by Tony Alford and offensive linemen get recruited by Greg Strujauer and Kevin Wilson, you know, but but this is one position where the, the trade-off seems so constant. I don't, I don't know if that makes it more complicated or if it actually becomes easier in some ways that you can just you get more people involved in that way in, in recruiting a guy and what kind of discipline does a kid need to have where through that process he's probably going to change rooms as he's learning these two different skill sets and so yeah right who's involved with the recruiting process are matt barnes and al washington in it from day one and they're just kind of co-recruiting this or is it which room do they start off in with craig young he started off in the linebackers room but can a guy start off in the defensive back room and then go to the linebackers room like with court Williams is that what's going to happen there and so yeah it is it just it doesn't seem like it has a clear-cut process like with all the other positions where it's like okay you're going to be in Heartline's room and that's where you're going to be unless we feel like you need to change positions you are going to be with Tony Offert that's all you need to think about with this position it might just be on a case-by-case -case basis depending on what that kid's raw skill set is when he gets to Columbus who else in this 2023 class jumped out at you? Um, I, look, I, there were some offensive line guys. I know some guys couldn't make it, but uh, that's obviously a place, as we were talking before, they're gonna, they just need help every year with that. You've got to try to get impact guys every year. Josh Padilla was here from Huber Heights. Did you get a chance to evaluate him a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He took, he's a guard. That's, that, that's his classification, but he was also doing some stuff at center, which before I saw it, I'd have been like, yeah, that kid's not a center. But then once you see it in action, like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Um, Josh Myers, like, I'm not saying the talent level. When I use these comparisons, this is just for, like, their play style and 
who they kind of remind me of. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Josh Myers was here at all. I, I, that's, the, that's not what a comparison is. But he just kind of looks like Josh Myers out there and has that kind of comparison. Um, still growing, still developing, solid run blocker, which is, I think, what you can say about any Ohio offensive lineman for the most part is these elite guys are going to be awesome run blockers, and they still need to work on their pass blocking. And a lot of that is just because, well, there's not – a lot, of, a lot of awesome quarterback play in Ohio, in Ohio. So why would you need to know how to pass block if you're never going to do it? Um, I was a little disappointed. I didn't get the chance to see Luke Montgomery. He couldn't show up. That's the guy who I, I mean, that, he might end up being a five-star. He's a four-star top 50 kid right now. Though, but those are the five, the, did I count that right? Four guys from the 2023 class in, in Ohio right now that you guys should be on the lookout of, of if a year from now, if Ohio State's recruiting the right way, those guys are going to be Buckeyes or future Buckeyes. Let's just put it that way. And then obviously in the 2022 class, the big disappointment was Emil Wagner couldn't show up. That's a guy who's, I mean, he's six foot six, 250 pounds. He's a top 100 offensive tackle. I just want to see what that looks like in person and how much physical growth still needs to be had for a kid like that. Yeah. six six two fifty is not it, obviously what they're expecting that to be more like 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, he, yeah, that's going to be a lot. I, I, actually, I don't know if he's 250 now. I just talked to him, and I think he's up to 270, which is a little bit better. But still, yeah, you want to get him up to 300. And that's a kid who has start, – he started his high school career off as a wide receiver and then went to defensive end for a little bit, and now he's an officer. So the, phys, the, 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 the raw talent is there. It's just the physical aspect of it has to catch up, kind of like how Nicholas petit was when he got here. Uh, Anthony Brown was a guy who had a good day, um, a receiver out of Springfield. He's a, you know, I think number 37 in the nation. Mm-hmm. I just curious that like, there's guys who came here that, that a lot of fans already know about if they follow recruiting at all, because they're already out there. Either they have already committed to Ohio state as we talked about before, or they're guys who are like at the top of these prospect lists, but then how much, how important are these camps to guys like that? who are trying to make a name for themselves. And when they get on the field against some of these other guys we're talking about, this is their chance to, to prove it a little bit. Yeah, I think, Anthony, that's an interesting one. And I think I'm glad you brought that one up because he is right now, he's 5'10", 170. So you look at that in an Ohio wide receiver who might end up being a top 150 kid. So you think Demario McCall, Jalen Gill, those guys and that level of what type of H back they were using back then, the little guy in the, in the slot who you could use as a running back or a wide receiver, Ohio state doesn't do that anymore, which is why you get a kid like Caden Saunders, who is a top one fifty recruit. He was also there. Um, he didn't do much either. He was, he has like a, a hamstring issue that he suffered in track. That seemed to be the case to a lot of Ohio commits. A lot of them just didn't really participate because they were dealing with some type of injury, which was a little annoying, but it is what it is. Caden Saunders never got the Ohio State offer, and that kid's good enough to play here. It's just that's not the type of slot receiver they're looking for anymore. So with a guy like Anthony Brown, who's a year younger, is he still growing? Is he going to be 6'1", 6'170", the way you see with Emeka and Jackson Smith and Jigwa and Garrett Wilson? Because then it's interesting, because then that's the type of slot receiver they're looking for. But right now, he looks more in the line of Demario McCall, Jalen Gill, and Caden Saunders, and those guys just haven't had success at Ohio State and aren't going to be used in the way Ryan Day wants to throw the ball and, and run offense. Anyone else we should mention? Uh, Delian Bradley was a guy. Um, we were talking about defensive backs before. Now, this would be a true safety, right? This is a, this is a mm-hmm. free safety, um, as, as we talk about, that um, has been a position of – I wouldn't say a problem position, but it just seems like there's there been a little bit more scarce because it's such a 
I mean, we just got done talking about the bullet and how specific you have to be with that. I think you have to be exactly that with a free safety too, right? Especially with how, the way Ohio State wants to use him. You're back there by yourself. And so can you get sidelines? He showed some things. Um, still young, obviously, so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, that kid's 100% going to be a free safety. Just his build screams free safety. But because Ohio State's a cover three, cover one type of defense, is that a guy you can trust to be a sideline, the sideline, being able to make – plays being able to be that eraser and do you want to go that way with it or do you just want to make sure you have a top 50 recruit when you're recruiting that type of free safety all right we're going to be back to wrap things up here on the the rare tuesday edition of bffs (laughs) you're listening to buckeye talk We're back on Buckeye Talk. You asked, Stephen, you asked Ryan Day something today that got a good response. It was the last question to him at our sort of uh, practice wrap-up press conference that we have every Monday. And kind of just, I guess, go into what you wanted, what you asked him, and whether it was something that came up just from watching how things were going at this camp. And if if there was something about that that kind of put that thought in your head to ask about the difference between – you know, a lot of five stars show up, but all five stars don't show up equal. Yeah, I, I, between watching that camp, especially a lot of this is, is based in Brendan Vernon, but you can throw the 2021 guys in there as well as the 2022 guys. And you're just watching some guys and you're there's ta- there's being good enough to play at Ohio State and then there's being ready to play at Ohio State. And the best example of that most recently is Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith Jigba, both five-star Julian Fleming, the number one re- receiver in the country. Jackson Smith, I think, was the number five wide receiver in the country. Both five stars, both talented, both high ceilings. But Jackson Smith and Jigba got on the field last year, and Julian Fleming didn't. And a lot of that is a, a result of their background. Julian Fleming being from Pennsylvania, where he's in a, 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 a high school offense where they didn't really throw the ball. He got it three times a game and was turning it into 200 – yards and three touchdowns while Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's from Texas, Texas wide receivers are, everybody knows what about what they are. They come from passing offenses. And so he just might've been more ready to play college football and needed less development to be ready to play football. And then I think about in the 2021 class, obviously JT Tumalau is not a commit yet, but if things go the way people are expecting them to go, Ohio state will have two five stars in that class and him and Jack Sawyer. Because Jack Sawyer was around Larry Johnson so much, he just might be ready. Even if they're both equally talented, one just might be more ready to play college football. And so when I was watching Brennan Vernon on Sunday, I'm wondering which side of that pendulum he was going to fall on as a five-star, maybe the best defensive end in the country, who was still very raw at this stage in his career, over the next two years as we get back to a normal society where he can get to day camps and get to just camps in in general and get the necessary development he needs, is he going to be a guy where we're going, he's really good and he might be awesome. He might be in the Bosa, Young, Harrison to a lesser extent, Jack Sawyer timeline. It just might take him a little bit of time to get there, like with Zach Harrison, because he didn't come from an elite high school football program. Or is he going to be, you know, is he going to be Julian Fleming or is he going to be Jackson Smith, the Jigba as a five-star true freshman? And there's a lot that goes into being ready. And I think Ryan Day gave a very long-winded answer that goes into everybody's path is different is what it boils down to. And you're always wondering with five stars, which path are they going to take? Cause it seems like those are the two paths. Either you get on the field as a true freshman and you're awesome from day one, or 
it just takes you a moment to get on the field. But when you get on the field, you're awesome either way. Well, not always. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Five stars yeah, okay. Get on the field and are not awesome <laughs> let's really say, ever. Let's but, just say seven times inside of the ten. It's, it's a pretty good – shooting percentage but yes there are some guys where it just never pans out certainly you'll always take the five stars over the three stars and 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 uh and 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 take what results at the end of the day of that i will say it's interesting to watch you, you mentioned the so w- with jack sawyer and jt tumalau who again has not even committed to ohio state so but i i, I see where we're going with that but that's a case of where the guy is already in camp they're not even coming in at the mm-hmm. same time i mean jt jack sawyer is getting a whole spring and is doing well so i think that's a tougher comparison but the receivers comparison is is interesting and we're even seeing that spill over to the spring a little bit and i think that's the the conversation is going to change here a little bit because i think jackson smith and jigba i mean he was running with the ones today he's established as a, a frontline receiver on this team right now i think i mean he's he's that next right there with wilson and Olave. and i think he's going to produce like them but like that is your first string receiver core right now uh jackson smith and jigba in the slot and those other two guys outside mostly is what we're seeing and then you go down the second team, though, and right now today's second team, as what we saw Monday, was Jamison Williams obviously outside. I think that's no surprise. Marvin Harrison Jr. and on the, also on the outside, and Emeka Buka in the slot. So that's what you start talking about as like if if that ends up being their second string, then then you start wondering like where does where does Julian Fleming fit in there? Because now he's more like a third string guy. You're seeing, but then again, it's an example of, of guys who came in right away. I mean, Ryan day, when we talked to him this winter, what was like one of the first things he said, like, Hey, who, who impressed you so far when there barely been any workouts at all. But he's like, well, the first time I looked at Marvis Harrison jr. I was like, well, that's something new. Like he just, he just popped at him. And then now he's doing it on the field. Like he's making plays on the field. And it's interesting to, to watch how much, you know, you don't want to make too much out of, the fact that Jackson was ahead of Julian Fleming last year. Cause again, on paper, in a lot of ways, it makes sense. Now you reevaluate it when you start seeing what happens in the second year. And also I don't, I, don't, I wasn't there on Monday, obviously, but I was there last week. Is he still non-contact Julian Fleming? Cause that might play a role in why he was. That might, that's year. probably also a factor too. Yeah. Okay. But to the point of, you just brought up Marvin Harrison jr. Now let's compare him to another outside receiver, Jaden Ballard and the programs they came, came from. Jaden Ballard's program here is, is an established, one of the best programs in Ohio, but Marvin Harrison Jr. comes from a program in St. Joe's Preps where it's, that's a national program. There's, there's high-level top 50 guys coming out of there every year, and also he played with a five-star quarterback. Jaden Ballard didn't play with a five-star quarterback, so there might just be some develop. You're right. Marvin Harrison from day one just might be more ready to play college football than Jaden Ballard is. And kind of in Emeka Ibuka is just because you're going to put Garrett all over the place. Emeka Ibuka goes from being the third string slot. Now he's probably the second string slot because you're just going to start Jackson Smith and Jigba. It just seems like from what you, what you guys watched that practice on Monday. So, yeah, that, that trend continues. You're maybe seeing it to the extreme in the wide receiver room more than some other places. But I mean, yeah, Julian Fleming was already behind in terms of being college football ready from what Jackson Smith and Jigby is. But then also, I mean, if he's not in full goal for practice, that's even more steps ahead that Jackson Smith and Jigba is in getting to the same destination. He's just going to continue to get there faster because he's getting more reps. What else is coming up in the near future or the distant future? We, are, we talked about um... – the Buckeye bash last week, which isn't really a camp. It's a, it's a different thing, but like what else should people know is on the horizon as far as like other day camps or other events that are going to be a, a big deal for Ohio state prospects. 
there's a rivals camp up in the Midwest coming up real soon. I, I don't remember that date off the top of my head, but that's coming up real soon. And a lot of the Ohio state guys will be at that. Most of the, pretty much every single Ohio in-state Ohio kid who was at the Under Armour camp series on Sunday is expected to be at the spring game next week. So they will be among the 19,000 fans in attendance, <laughs> which is, which is, this will be the second straight week that Desan McCullough is here after not being here for who knows how long, maybe since he was a little kid. Um, so look out for that. Obviously, if the recruiting depth here does end, they expect Ohio State to start putting out some dates for some day camps to pop up here. Um, the opening regionals will probably start up. So you'll probably see Quinn Ewers running around to those. He's he's obviously going to be a guy who ends up getting an invite to the Elite 11 competition. So look out for a lot of that stuff as we get into this, the spring and summer months here. In a normal situation, we'll get back to a lot of these day camps and hopefully seeing a lot more of these targets and these these 2023 guys as well. So that's our recruiting hit for this week. Uh, we will not have a BFFs this week. We are probably going to be doing some spring game preview stuff with that slot later this week. So we're thinking about a draft. We're thinking about just like our, our three things where we want to see, things like that. Like it's going to be a lot of topics kind of setting up Saturday because, again, you, it, there's such a delicate balance in springs. Like you don't want to make too much out of things. But Ryan Day was talking today like they, they're maybe just going to do one half where they split into scarlet and gray and go a full scrimmage. But I think that still says something. They don't know if they're even going to tackle. But I think to see teams line up head-to-head -head like that and play real football in a way that we haven't been able to see a lot of these guys, there, there's so many guys on both sides of the ball that we want to see in, in some ways for the very first time doing things for Ohio State. And I think it's going to tell us a lot. So I, I'm really getting eager for Saturday. So I'm Nathan Baird. Not tackling. They won't be tackling. I don't even know why he threw that out there as an option. They're not tackling. It's going to be thud. It'll, I, would, I would imagine so just because of the number of injuries that they've had this spring mm -hmm. already. I think it could be tough that you, you're always now – you're, now you're one rough twist away from accidentally from something really bad happening potentially. Right. So that, you probably don't want to push that, but you know, we'll see. Because I think they, they need that. I mean, I think that's something that they're behind on, especially younger guys in this program. I, you know, you're, you've had fewer contact reps at this point than you should have under a normal calendar. So that, that's something I know that they want to get back, but it might be more prudent to wait and, and save it for the fall. We'll see. But I'm Nathan Baird. He was Stephen Means. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.